0: Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Welcome
1: to another edition of Leadership Matters, the show that aims to support the leadership development of current and future public and nonprofit leaders. Each episode is designed to inform leaders and inspire solutions. I'm Tom Wall, and I'll serve as moderator of our discussion today. I work with the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities and for the Strategic Change Initiative. We work together to help organizations to strengthen and transform themselves to assure a more successful future. With me today as our guest panelist is my good friend Phyllis Richards. Phyllis, would you please introduce yourself?
2: Hi, Tom. Thank you for the opportunity to be on your show today. I am the Director of Evaluation and Research Services at the Alliance. I also have the privilege of working with the Alliance members in the area of health and well-being. I work closely with our today's special guests to assist members in addressing the needs of their organizations and the people that they serve. That's who I, who I am, Tom.
1: Outstanding. Well, today Phyllis and I are proud to have with us as our special guest, Jane Piercing, Executive Director at Aurora Family Service in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Jane, it's great to have you with us today. We have found that every leader gets to their present position by following a leadership journey. Would you please share your leadership journey with us? Where did it start uh, and what has led you to where you are now in your career?
3: Um, Well, thanks, Tom. That's a a great place to start. Uh, And I started my career as a social worker in Chicago. I had uh, training as a family therapist and also working in a residential camp for families, uh, children as young as 1 through 16, um, who were from the city and experiencing violence and um, safety issues within their, their community. But I have to be honest, I am not a patient person. So it was pretty um, apparent to me that I wanted to see what we could do differently when um, we were connecting with families, and so really moved into program development and eventually um, agency leadership. Because um, every time you stop and look at what you can do differently, it brings you in a lens with uh, what about the family, what about the community, what about the agency itself.
1: Outstanding. Well, through the journey that you've been on, uh, what have you learned about leadership during that journey?
3: Well, I, I think every year there's more lessons to be learned. Certainly humility is a great uh, badge to have very early. But I think that uh, the key to my learning is sort of a combination of what you can control, the planning, and then actually embracing what you don't can control. So those and an unanticipated... Um, opportunities, challenges, uh, changes that sort of flex that special muscle.
1: Well, how would you describe your style of leadership as it's been emerging over the years?
3: Well, I, I have to say that that grounding in working with families as a whole and the fact that relationships mean so much within um, both a problem and a solution really became foundational. So uh, I once was complimented by someone to say, I look at systems even in in leadership. So how are people connected with each other? How are processes connected with each other? Because I think that often it's not wanting to change and to lead in all areas, but what is the key lever that might help the system itself change?
1: Outstanding. Well, you talk about systemic leadership. Um, that's obviously a very hot topic uh, within our field right now. Why don't you talk a little bit about systemic leadership and what you see uh, to be its core values?
3: Well, you know, I think the core values really uh, rest in that relationship between two people, the relationships between uh, everyone in the system. And then looking for a solution before we even look at a problem. So what does the system trying to accomplish? And going into working with um, any group of uh, a team members or a department or a program with that lens saying people are here for a, a purpose. The more we understand that purpose and how they feel they're moving towards that direction, then uh, we're, we all then share a common goal. And then my job is to assist folks in uh, aligning that goal with the goal of the agency and then helping them get to that goal.
1: Beautiful. Well, a lot of folks believe that the leadership journey that we follow uh, helps us to pick up things along the way. Were there aspects uh, of your leadership style that you had to change to really be able to embrace a fully systemic Uh, leadership approach?
3: Well, well, that's interesting. I I think I'm thinking back of of the journey and probably the earliest leadership role I had was um, in, frankly, Girl Scout camp. I was an assistant uh, director and then became a director. And I still can remember the day that I came as a director and realized that I was part of a team, but in a very different way. It wasn't There was a collegial feel about it, but I needed to step up and take responsibility. And I will say that when I uh, joined Aurora Family Service, I had somewhat of the same feeling for almost a week, and that's like 35 years later. Uh, but it was a sense of this is not just about me personally, but part of my journey and my acceptance when you move into leadership is you represent and in some ways, become that entity. And you are seen um, not just as Jane, but also Aurora Family Service when you're out and about. Um, for a moment, that seemed overwhelming. And then it became very exciting.
1: Sure. but What do you think, uh, has, uh, which elements of this style uh, are most effective for you in your role uh, at Aurora Family Service?
3: Well, I, I think, um, and, and I know uh, the journey of Aurora Family Service within a healthcare system is something that is always of interest to folks. And the ability to operate within, as an entity, as a family service organization, within a larger um, entity, really draws upon that systemic leadership. Uh, understanding how those uh, interrelated parts, Whether they be finance, healthcare, HR, uh, have their own goal, but then how their goals and how their activities are connected with other folks. Uh, And then using that lens often in the times of a decision or the times of coming up with a new solution with part of the team, and stepping back for a moment and saying, who else is affected? Who else should be at the table? Uh, Is this Truthfully, a consensus activity, or is this something that needs feedback but is a leadership decision as well and to be very transparent about
1: that good now let's let's talk about how systemic leadership impacts what you do when you are acting as mentor to members of your team
3: uh that's fascinating um inquiry, and I think. A couple things. One, thinking systemically is not necessarily how many people are trained. So when I'm uh, mentoring a team member, especially a, a senior leader uh, who is looking to expand what they want to do next, I often it is that stepping back for a moment and understanding uh, the many places they touch or their decisions touch or their relationships touch, people are often very surprised by how already they operate systemically. I mean, we all live in um, many relationships. But to do so intentionally, to spend some time um, both talking through and even doing um, that mapping on a piece of paper, these are the folks I, I connect with, who I need assistance from, And how do I create a relationship that is two-way with all those folks um, rather than linear? I need something, you answer me, and I go forward. But how do we continue to work together? And this immediate task is just going to be one point in our journey together.
1: Well, you know, part of what you're describing is actually trying to teach interdependency to members of a team. I, I think it's that an so often uh, team members that we might inherit or that we might hire uh, may come in uh, having been trained in the importance of uh, competition uh, and training uh, around mm-hmm. interdependency is probably very important toward helping to build systemic leadership in those that you're mentoring. Uh, that
3: that is absolutely true, and and. You often think of many career paths, and my own, where you become uh, perhaps a subject matter expert, you become very confident in your uh, skills, you may be very successful in the uh, work you do, and then try to translate that competency into a leadership role, and it doesn't work. And the reason it doesn't mm-hmm. work is you do, the higher you get, even though our fantasy is, oh, I'm going to be in charge of the world. The more you advance, the more you're dependent on somebody else.
1: Sure. So what is it that you actually can do? I hate to press the point, but what is it you can mm-hmm. actually do to build folks' acceptance of the value of interdependency in teamwork?
3: Hmm. Well, I think that often it is uh, Taking a small example where you may already see or I, where I see um, that interdependence actually being in play and
1: mm-hmm.
3: working with our, our leaders and, and mapping that out and say, what, Ashley, how did we get to this point? It wasn't my phone mm-hmm. call. It was my phone call plus many other things.
1: Yeah, very good. Well, you need to take a short break. We'll come back to these themes in just a minute. Please stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by Innovisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness.
3: Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at leadershipforuminc.com. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses,
2: no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
3: Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
0: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, Please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to matters at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me is Phyllis
1: Richards and our special guest, Jane Persig, Executive Director at Aurora Family Service in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. In the first segment, Jane was sharing her leadership journey, and she offered some discussion about systemic leadership. Now, Jane, we're shifting uh, and giving you an opportunity to talk away from just systemic leadership and talk now specifically about your role with Aurora Family Service. Talk with us about that.
3: Sure. So I um, came back from Chicago uh, to Milwaukee in the year 2000, and looked around and knew I wanted to be part of an organization that could make an impact. The intriguing thing about being in Milwaukee is it's small enough that you can connect with many parts of, of politics and the community and uh, the business community, and so I was really intrigued by that. I joined um, Advocate Aurora, which had Aurora Family Service, um, very unique back in, the two, in 2000 in that, Aurora Family Service joined the healthcare system in 1995, um, very innovative. In fact, it actually caused uh, a stir, including some resonations among board members, but it also opened up an amazing opportunity to impact health care. Uh, what happened, though, when I was uh, came in 2003 is that opportunity had not been cultivated yet. So... Mm-hmm. I came as uh, executive director of family service, almost like a standalone family service agency, having community uh, programs. We have a family therapy training institute that trains postgraduates in family therapy. We have a, a training clinic, but it was almost like we were standing next to the hospital. We were not mm-hmm. in healthcare at all, um, and my role was to one balance a budget and two. Get inside the walls of healthcare.
1: Beautiful. Well, were there surprises when you became executive uh, director?
3: Oh my! Tell me if there were surprises. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and I and you know I was following um, a longtime uh, executive director who had the amazing um, vision to have this affiliation, uh, and that was his skill is being that visionary. Uh, but a lot had to happen to implement the vision and that was, it was my job. So I mentioned earlier that one of the biggest surprises is how can one be part of an organization and almost be totally independent. Um, that we were part of a family, of a, um, healthcare system and yet very siloed in our finances, our fundraising, um, our interactions with the healthcare system. Um, I think that was one of the biggest uh, surprises. Secondly, was how hard it was to become part of another sector, healthcare, when one was living within the human service sector. Um, I thought mm-hmm. people would open their arms widely and greet us in um, <laughs> and take all our best learnings on how to work with families uh, and didn't realize, totally underestimated, that what makes healthcare very, very successful is often quite different than what a community-based organization is successfully doing.
1: Talk to us about those differences, if you could, for a moment, Jane. In what ways were what made you successful so different from what made healthcare organizations successful?
3: Well, it's very interesting. Let me give you an example of of where this became more and more clear. Um, We had... um, an exciting idea to provide social work services to mothers who were in the um, had a child in the NICU unit, and we would follow mm-hmm. those families back into the home to help them adjust to having a very fragile baby uh, in their care. Um, so a very scary time and very early in the, in the project, we tried to have meetings um, we set up meetings to Uh, make those relationships, I mentioned earlier, very systemically. How do we get to know who our partners are? What's important to them? What is their environment? And I suddenly found that nobody had time for meetings. I had totally Mm -hmm. underestimated the very rapid environment that um, a hospital works in, that sort of emergency critical care, and even that focus upon the patient as opposed to focus on the family as an entirety. Sure. The temptation with that was to say who's right and who's wrong. Rather, the very question you asked, what works for each entity and how, we, how do we start blending that together?
1: You know, it's fascinating. Your training uh, as a family therapist was itself systemic. And you're yes. working now all of a sudden uh, that with an organization that is not operating in a systemic fashion at all. So, how did you go about be beginning to build bridges and tunnels between your systemic vision uh, and the way healthcare operates? Well, I,
3: I think it always goes back to relationships. Um, number one, but I actually have to say that often we, as we learned more about healthcare, because we had a lot, lot to learn as well, I could start beginning to identify. The challenges that healthcare had, and start translating what our competencies were to what became a solution for healthcare.
1: Oh, beautiful. Um, very, Talk more about uh, that.
3: Surely, I think, um, and of course, it's in a little ways easier now when social determinants of health have become a password. But ten years ago, yeah, uh, it was quite unknown. Not I mean, so much. Uh, f- Not so much. Physicians, nurses certainly totally empathize with the fact that social factors were impacting their patients, but how to make that bridge um, was a challenge. So I remember um, meeting a meeting in which uh, somebody uh, from a government affairs department asked me whether we did any work in public benefits counseling. Um, because their financial counseling department was having a lot of difficulty with the very complex patients. They were doing wonderful with those folks who needed insurance pretty straightforward, but particularly when it came to public programs and qualifications and processes, um, it really would tie knots. Um, So I for a moment thought, well, we don't do that work. And then I remember, oh, yes, we do that with mm-hmm. our clients. We think through what are the supports they need in the community, and we help them with that. So rather than mm-hmm. saying, I can't help solve your problem, I said, oh, we can help, and pulled that competency out of sort of a package of what we do around the patient and said, Tooth Healthcare, I can help you with this slice. Now, that's not systemic yet from the point of view of working with a patient, but it was an opportunity to demonstrate to the healthcare folks I can hear what they need, I can help solve their problem rather than you solve your problem my way.
1: Always no, that's systemic. excellent. That's that's very, very good. Well what kinds of opportunities did your human service organization find would be opened up when you begin to f- build a full partnership with a healthcare organization?
3: Well, it has been um, quite an amazing journey since that time. Um, that first uh, exploration opened up very quickly. For instance, when the Affordable Care Act was passed, um, and the healthcare system was looking to very rapidly understand that this, this new environment. Um, our team actually became the backbone of year one. So while the larger system was recreating some of the um, processes they needed, I could roll off very quickly with our team of six people, hired another 15 be- behind them to become these, these um, pods of experts in different hospitals in order to navigate. And I think that that's part of the strength of the community-based organizations that we oh, yes. have a long history of working quickly, having already created mm-hmm. relationships, so those don't need to be made, Con- having those engagement skills with patients, and then mm-hmm. connecting with the processes of the hospitals. We now, um, since that time, I, again, another story. I was sitting at another table. Again, I love getting myself into teams. And someone asked, Do you have any extra social workers? <clears throat> And I'm like, um, no, I don't have any extra social workers. <laughs> and I said, why do you ask? Because it's always that inquiry. Oh, well, we have another position, and we have a hard time finding a social worker who can do medical health care within a clinic. And I said, I'll tell you what, what if I find that person? My team will supervise them. I will guarantee you, you will always have a social worker um, and you pay me for that service program. That started wonderful. with one social worker, and now we have uh, seven social, clinic social workers. Isn't Again, it, it was looking for their the solution. Their solution was an individual and a, a need to have a scope of, of practice that they did not have to worry about. We could provide that.
1: I, w- I wonder, Jane, as you've been building these bridges and tunnels, How much of the capacity you have to offer assistance is because your time frame is very different because, actually, folks in human services have had very few resources for a long time, and as a result, if you're not nimble, you don't last very long, and your capacity to move quickly may have put you in a wonderful position to be able to be seen as a resource by a healthcare organization that had difficulty moving that quickly. Do you think that was part of your success?
3: Oh, absolutely. I think that's really perceptive. I, I, I think within um, the community-based organizations, we certainly make our yearly plans, we have our strategic plan, but every decision every day is a chance to recalibrate a bit, and we can't wait mm-hmm. until the end of the year to see if we should have done something different. And that kind of thinking, again, has to be grounded in a systemic approach because the question is, have the systems shifted a little at the time that I have an opportunity to make a little bit of a different decision or a different solution? And how do I implement that now? Um, That is a very Mm -hmm. adaptive way of um, looking at what we do, and I think it's very much appreciated now by healthcare.
1: So the way that you're approaching meet is really more designed to meet needs than solve problems. Yes. Did I read that uh, correctly?
3: Absolutely. And 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 be confident that the solution is something new. It's rarely either or, but it's mm-hmm. more often what do we bring competencies together and weave something new. That's the
1: innovation. That's- Beautiful. We need to take another short break. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the neighborhood of House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf, features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business.
3: Trends in global business are changing all the time. It used to only be worrying about your competitor across the street, but now that competitor may be across the world. On Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business, plus issues and solutions that business leaders face today. Each show is guaranteed to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice. America Business Channel.
0: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: We're back. I'm Tom
0: Wall, and with me is Phyllis Richards and our special guest,
1: Jane Persick. In this third segment, Phyllis is going to be discussing Jane's role as a consultant with the Alliance's Health and Human Services Intersection APEX Group. Phyllis, the microphone is yours for this segment.
2: (laughs) Thanks, Tom. I really appreciate it. So just to give some context to our APEX groups, our APEX groups are our peer exchange groups here at the Alliance, and they work. the members join the groups so they have some kind of community of practice together. So we work together, uh, giving out information, providing webinars, providing different research topics. People can ask questions in the APEX group and get um, questions answered by peers across the country. So in 2017, we launched the Health and Human Services Intersection APEX Group. And Jane as, was our uh, member leader. We have a core team of members. Each APEX group has a core team, and she's our member leader. But she's also a consultant with the Alliance in this area of health and and, and well-being. So, Jane, it's so great to have you on the on the call today. My first question you, for you is um, is how is your role with the Health and Human Services APEX group developed, and how
3: does it fit in your leadership journey? Oh, it has been a very exciting piece, and I think um, I really consider it uh, one of the places the journey was going towards, even though I didn't know it. The sometimes the um, difficulty in working within a large healthcare system and being in charge of an agency is both the isolation and the sense of um, doing things one time. You know, it's good for the organization. But that ability to bring those lessons to a wider um, group, community, has really been a, a highlight of my career. Uh, we had at Aurora Family Service 25 years to start getting this right. And as I described some of the projects um, earlier uh, in this interview, those were not the results of reading a book uh, article and implementing them. They came from a lot of trial and error and understanding and lessons learned. But given how fast healthcare is moving right now and given the uh, impact that health and well-being needs to have within our communities, I really am just very passionate about getting these lessons that we've learned into the hands of other community-based organizations, translating them for their own communities uh, and in, impacting even more f- people. I guess I'm still impatient. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So we started this um, with our
2: core team, our Alliance staff, in 2017. We launched something that was totally new, a new APEX group. And with that, what do you, what, what do you consider some of the major challenges that we have um, in starting the group and, and developing the group
3: and, and continuing the challenges we have now? Well, I, I think the complexity of what we're trying to do, and we're doing it, as, as you say, well, um, d- developing the environment at its very very same time. So we're both developing an environment and influencing. It's a really tough task. Um, also, because of our healthcare systems are very much state um, centric in many ways, sometimes the lessons in one state cannot automatically be converted to another state, but there's nuances in funding in healthcare systems in the community-based organization environment itself. So I think one of the challenges has been to step back and pull the common lessons and help people mentor each other around those common challenges, around the common um, practices, but still being both humble and recognizing that each organization ha- has a special uh, uh, challenge and opportunity in front of them in their own community. Great. And along those same lines, what do you think are the,
2: uh, the major ahas uh, or success moments that we've had in the group?
3: Oh, well, one, I think the fact that everybody is uh, sort of treading water at the same time is reassuring. Uh, Sometimes when you are in isolation, it's like, I just must be the only person that's not getting this. Or this health entity in my community must just not like us. And to understand that this is often much more cultural and it is systemic. There's many dynamics from funding to leadership to training uh, that drive some, some of where we are today. I think one is reassuring. Two, it is also provides a platform for people to hear from each other. So once we get to, okay, this is a group of folks within the APEX that understands what I'm trying to do and is ready to coach me and cheer, we all need our cheerleaders, um, then there's the ability to look at the complexities and share that task I really don't believe that we can become experts in five or six things in our lives. We have to choose, and then we build a team, and we create relationships that help supplement our own understanding. So I'm certainly not an expert in healthcare financing. I have enough knowledge to ask tough questions of those people who are, but I know where my... Um, subject matter experts who I also will regularly take off for a cup of coffee are and have them help me. Great, great. And we've
2: been talking about systemic challenges. What do you see are the greatest systemic challenges with the intersection between health and human services? I know there are many, many that we've talked about, but
3: what, is it, what do you think is the greatest? Um, I think it's the probably the lack of true understanding of the environment of the other. Um, I think that I totally underestimated, and my team continues to be um, learning about how complex and uh, noble in some ways the healthcare profession is. I mean, you have people's lives in your hand. You have science changing every moment. You have technology now coming in and you have a time factor involved, I mean, literally life and death. So there are many drivers in that environment um, that it is just awesome that we have the healthcare providers we do doing that work. At the same time, sometimes from a health provider point of view, referring someone for food might sound pretty straightforward, okay? We'll just give them a script to go get food, And that'll be much easier. That's the complexity on the other side that uh, we perhaps and community based organizations need to both intentionally explain and to clarify. We see that that patient may come home, have three little ones who also need to get to school at the same time, may not have the financial resources, may have to take a bus with the three little ones in order to get to the nearest food. Store because they're in a food desert um, and have um, resources that will not provide all fresh uh, fruit for. Those are all assumptions that can be made by so-and-so needs a better diet for their diabetes. We translate that into what that means for the family. We, on both sides, need to open a space to understand that complexity and then see how we can help Um, utilize that information in such a way. So I have physicians now who are understanding that once they know someone has a food scarcity issue, that also means something about their blood tests because that family's diet is going to affect the tests on which diagnoses are being made. That's when we start coming together as a true team. Great.
2: And I know we talked about this, and you alluded to it in the other questions, but what's one thing that we could do with the um, that we're working on at the APEX and the APEX group that you think would be very helpful for um, people outside the Alliance?
3: Um, I, I think that what the APEX – the, the lessons at the APEX is both um, delving into uh, and clarifying and then spreading – is the strength of the community-based organization within healthcare and health and well-being. Community organizations, as Tom referred to earlier, have a long history of surviving within their communities. And in many ways, that is the story of clients and patients as well, especially those vulnerable um, patients who have figured out a way to navigate often resource-poor communities. Community-based organizations have done that as well. If we can harness that tenacity, that passion for what happens in the community with the impact of strong health care and the impact of population health, uh, the entire community becomes much stronger.
2: Exactly, exactly.
3: What has been your... Um...
2: We've been working on in this group for, since 2007. Can you just remember one particular thing that really stands out to you as a, a lesson learned with the group?
3: Um, I would think that it has to do um, with what we're learning about the range of uh, partnerships, that people can be in partnership with healthcare um, at a planning stage. They can be... Already collaborating through a task force. They might actually have a contract with healthcare as part of a network or um, be on a, a very special path with the healthcare. There is no one correct way to do this. And so I think that that's, as we get more uh, deeper in how there are many ways, that is going to assist each community organization to say, we know we want to be part of this future of health and well-being, and frankly, that is changing our whole lens, given how much resources in this country we put into um, both health care, health and well-being, and the greater need to put more resources into prevention. Uh, but then, by seeing that there's multiple pathways, we can each then build and strengthen our, one, our organizations, and two, our collaborations with each other to maximize our impact nobody's going to change and uh, turn the needle on this all by themselves and not even a lots of folks it's going to take lots of lots of folks and certainly cross-sector collaboration with healthcare, public health public and private
1: beautiful great, great. segment we have to take a short break stay with us we'll be right back
0: Business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by Innovisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact Innovisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business.
1: We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me is Phyllis Richards and our special guest, Jane Persick, Executive Director at RAW Family Service in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. In the last segment, Phyllis was talking with Jane about the Alliance's Health and Human Services Apex Group, their work, challenges, and success to date. Now, Jane, in this final segment, we like to offer our guests a chance to share two things. First... A mistake that they may have made that allowed them to learn something about leadership they may never have learned if they hadn't made that mistake. And second, like to ask our special guest to offer some advice for other leaders in the field. So first, could you share a mistake that you may have made that allowed you to learn something very important about leadership?
3: Um. Yeah, it's sometimes I have to think of which is a mistake I want to share today. Um, because, <laughs> Surely. You, know, you, you come to leadership and you get the job by convincing someone that you have it all in hand, um, and that's probably a mistake in of itself. But I will <laughs> always say that um, I had a bright idea. You know, we always say, oh, hey, I have the solution. So I had a bright idea, and that was to move a team of people Social workers who were part of family service into a hospital floor um, that was vacant in order to provide uh, closer services to the patients. And I mean, it sounds great. They were hesitant and, and already knew something I did not know, but I thought, okay, I've got this really planned. And we moved this unit over to a hospital study. And one, they were miserable. And two, our impact on the patients did not change. This was a program that met patients in the hospital and then continued working with young moms and their vulnerable babies in the homes. And mm-hmm. the lesson I learned, well, there were two, three different lessons here. One is the wisdom of my staff and the wisdom of patients, um, that even if they can't articulate it, in fact, that's even the, more of the time, if this does not feel right talk it through. The other piece is an assumption that co-location equals relationship. Uh, In in a community-based organization, we do that. We have, we often revolve so many things around food, personal events, um, that sort of teamwork that helps us survive some real tough cases and, and working in the community. This did not automatically translate into another setting. And Um, I had somehow lost my um, memory of systems work and the fact that you cannot take a team and not surround them with the caring, the processes, the support they need every day. So the real leadership lesson I learned in that is how important circling our team with those supports, be it email recognitions, be it the processes, be it the extra food, the ability for them to tell their stories in a very consistent, regular manner. You can't just once a month visit a team and provide them that um, inoculation of uh, energy. And at the same time, you're not, as a leader, receiving their daily feedback. Uh, Team members don't have time to sit and provide a long summary to their um, leadership about how something's not working. They say Mm -hmm. what's happening that day. And as a leader, it's our job to hear those individual stories and then put together the themes and then recheck with the team that we've got the theme correct.
1: Well, that's wonderful. So So what did you do in response to what you were learning about that with that decision? Well,
3: well, one of the big pieces is um, the team came back to family service. Um, and so we, they were relocated in the family service um, uh, team and in, in the building that we have, and now we, we have the other lesson we learned is in order to be an impact, you need to be about half your time in the space because nurses and docs, they're running from place to place. You don't have meetings. You, you're in their way, and that's how you get to know folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and you walk with them between here and the supply cabinet and have sure. the discussion you need to do. So we learned that. Um, it is interesting, though, uh, and, and actually just as you asked that, um, it's coming to mind. We now have over 26 positions in hospitals and clinics. They're no longer at the Family Service Central location. So we Mm -hmm. now as a team, and I never connected this with this earlier mistake, but it is true, we are now have a um, task force, which includes leaders and direct line staff, who are plotting out what is the future virtual Aurora Family Service, what happens with more and more remote workers in different sites, how do we provide all those things that I learned the hard way we're not provided with that first team in such a way that it provides the teams that support and um, communication that they need. And, of course, technology over the 10 years has has leaped to a point that I have new tools as well in my tool belt.
1: Fabulous. How about the second question? Could you offer some advice for other leaders in the field uh, and offer some advice specifically uh, about what you're learning with the intersection between health and human services?
3: Well, I I had thinking about that questions again. Many places to go with it, but I think communication, and for a leader, I want to be very specific. We we hear from all the leadership um, articles that we 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 need to communicate. We need to tell people things. We need you never can over communicate. I totally agree. I would add to that that we sometimes forget that we have integrated and thought through change um, before other people have. And so Mm -hmm. I have a strategy or we've developed a strategy and, okay, I get it. And every time I'm more familiar with a piece of communication, it becomes briefer and briefer. I forget that Mm -hmm. my audience may be hearing this for the first time. So I really encourage folks, to think about, to put themselves almost like an actor, this is the first time the audience has known, hear this message. Sometimes I do this, stem almost like a joke. This is the first time this audience has ever heard this joke. And I'm going yeah, to have to good. tell it and tell the story as simply with all the detail, with all the nuances for them to get it at the end. I cannot skip over because I know the, the punchline already. Um, I, 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 that Excellent. I wish I had done earlier, but I find it's, it's actually more fun, because if I slow down t- to tell the story slowly, I also listen more slowly. And that's where it's different.
1: Well, Jane, you have been very, very helpful today. The advice you've offered is great. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. Our thanks go to Phyllis Richards and to our special guest, Jane Persig. Please, folks, tune in again next time when we offer another episode of Leadership Matters.
0: Thank you again for tuning in.